This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. It felt very repetitive to me. I was shooting at the same venues day in and day out, the same, you know, shot lists, the same traditions, and it was just boring. I was no longer creatively fulfilled. And so I said, you know, there has to be a better way. And I discovered this whole elopement niche and just went full force straight, you know, steam engined right into the niche and I love it. I will never go back to shooting big weddings. (laughs) Welcome to the Portrait System Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and this show is here to help you succeed in the world of photography and business to help you learn to become financially free doing what you love and so much more. With over 1 million downloads, countless photographers have taken what they've learned from both our episodes and from theportraitsystem.com, and they have grown their businesses, quit their day jobs, and are designing a life of their dreams. We keep it real and share stories about the ups and downs that come with running a photography business. You'll hear real-life stories of how other photographers run their business, and you'll learn actionable steps that you can take to reach your own goals. Thank you so much for being here, and let's get started. Hey guys, now is your chance to check out all of the incredible photography education we have available for you at theportraitsystem.com. For only $7, you will get access to over 1,000 videos, including pricing, posing, marketing, lighting, sales, inspiring photo shoots, self-value, and more. Yes, you'll get your first month for only $7 when you become a pro member, and you'll get access to the full download library with posing guides and workbooks and so much more. Also, this includes a pricing calculator, a studio startup timeline, our weekly live broadcasts, including Sue Bryce's live talks, access to our private members-only Facebook groups, special discounts on photography products, and so much more. Head over to theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7 to get your first month for only $7. That's theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7. This week, my guest on the Portrait System podcast is Brianna Parks. Brianna averages 1.5 inquiries every day, even though she's only been in business for a few years, and she shares how she makes this happen through SEO. Brianna focuses on photographing elopements, but we chat about how you can make SEO work to majorly increase your inquiries as a portrait photographer as well. Brianna shares so many amazing tips and tricks to get your Google rankings up and to keep those clients coming in, and I'm so excited to introduce her to you. Okay, let's get started with Brianna Parks. Hi, Brianna. Welcome to The Portrait System. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. I was really excited when I got your um, your message when you you know talked about being on the podcast, because SEO is not something that we talk a lot about. And I think that it is, you know, it's it's a really good strategy to get clients, obviously, like in your experience. Yeah, SEO, it has been an absolute game changer for my business. I'm super excited to get into all of it because I think a lot of people don't know where to start when it comes to SEO and it can be such Me. an overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's such an overwhelming and daunting topic. And it's really easy to understand once you actually are able to kind of grasp what it is and how to do it. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear because it's not something I've really ever utilized. Um, You know, I think there are obviously multiple different marketing strategies that people can use. And I think people kind of go to what their skill set is when they're figuring out which marketing avenue to go. Like for me, I love building connections and relationships. 
doing like networking stuff makes more sense to me than SEO. I'm mm-hmm. not a techie person, whatever. But for someone who is, you know, their strong suit might be in the more of a the tech area, it seems like SEO might feel more natural. Like, do you feel like that's more of your personality? Oh, 100%. I am very much introverted, which is funny because for my job, I feel like I have to be an extrovert. <laughs> and so networking to me sounds like an absolute nightmare. Um, I would yeah. rather just stay at home and write on my computer by myself in my office and get results from it rather than have to physically go out and talk to people and attend marketing events and all of those all of those kind of in-person activities. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And and you're so not alone. There are a lot of people who feel that way. So and I, and I want to let people know that you are you're an elopement photographer, correct? Yes, yeah. Is that all you shoot? Yes. Okay. So Brianna is an elopement photographer. SEO is not like you don't have an SEO business or you're not just like an SEO who does every, you know, SEO for everyone and everything. Like you are very yeah. specific to photography. However, I do want to note that I, I asked Brianna this ahead of time, if teaching other photographers like under any sort of course or mentoring program, if this is something that she either does now or would be open to, she said that's something she could potentially be working on in the future. So just a heads up there. Like if you want any of this like further in, more advanced information in the future, make sure you follow Brianna. I just didn't want people to think that I had a random SEO person who doesn't know anything about photography coming on. Like this is yeah. how you grew your business. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted 100%. to like, set the yeah. tone for that. Okay. Awesome. All right. Let's back up a little bit. Tell people where you're located. We know you shoot elopements, but um, let's start with where you're located. How long have you been a photographer? And just kind of give us that background. Yeah. So I currently live in Redding, California, which is in Northern California. We're about two and a half hours north of Sacramento. So pretty close to the Oregon border. Um, I started photography back in 2019. I actually started it in college. I had just gotten married. I got married super young. I was 19. (laughs) And Oh, yeah. 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 My husband and I had no money. (laughs) And we were both in school. It was a really stressful period of time. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I thought I wanted to be a doctor. So I majored in pre-med oh, and realized wow. biology was not for me. <laughs> and so <laughs> I ended up switching my major to sociology and I just absolutely fell in love with it. But it wasn't, I don't know. I just, I didn't see myself going the corporate route by any means. And so I was just looking for a hobby one day just because I was so focused on school. I didn't really have any creative outlets outside of school. And mm-hmm. I was on YouTube and this this gal popped up just doing photography and I thought it looked so cool. And so I convinced my poor husband to take me down to Target where we bought, I think it was like a $500 or $600 DSLR starter camera. And it just kind of skyrocketed there from there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, it's a long story from how I got there to where I am now, but I started out doing a lot of free shoots and ended up living in Idaho for a while and then ended up marketing towards California and then moved back to California. So it's it's a whole long story, but that's how it kind of started. <laughs> okay. So when you say you did a lot of free shoots, were you initially focusing on elopements or how did you... No. So I started out doing everything and anything mainly just portraits because that's what the girl on YouTube was doing. So I was photographing portraits and I had no intention of making photography into a business. At the time, it was really just a creative outlet for me and a good way to maybe make some money on the side, like a side hustle. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I did a lot of portraits to start out with. And then I got my first wedding inquiry. I think they paid me maybe $300 for a whole day. And I thought oh my I was making so much money. <laughs> Because I was in yeah. college at the time. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much money. And it's funny to look back and laugh now and to see how far you've come. But yeah, it is really fun to look back. Yeah. I can't look at my old work though. It makes me cringe so bad. Oh, I have some of that too. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can all relate to that. Yes. <laughs> you know, starting in 2019, that's only, you know, just over four years ago, barely four years. Like that's, that's not a long time to be in business, but you yeah. said you had said last year, 2023, I believe it was, you had 476 inquiries. Yes. Inquiries? Yeah. Wow. Like that's a lot. 
Yeah, it was, um, I don't think you realize how many you get until you look back at the end of the year. And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) it works. (laughs) Okay, so let's start getting into how, you know, how this happened. What made you decide, okay, well, one, I know you said you started with portraits and you you wanted Mm -hmm. to go into elopements. For people who are like, what do you mean elopements? First, let's talk about that. What is an elopement and how does that work? Yes. So an elopement for me is a small wedding. I personally define it with as a wedding under 15 guests. And so I don't okay. shoot anything over 15 guests. Um, 99% of the time they're outdoors. And so I don't shoot in like wedding venues or just indoor spaces at all, aside from getting ready portraits in like an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. But yeah, elopements, I mean... Elopements happen everywhere and anywhere. I think a lot of people associate elopements with national parks, which is where I shoot a lot of the time. Okay. But elopements can happen in like San Francisco City Hall or... So yeah, in my head, it, it's like a destination place to get married. Yeah. It, that's that's what I'm thinking. So small. Okay. So 15 and under. I like that. And then in my head, it's like going away somewhere. But do you have a lot of local people doing an elopement or is it mostly people coming from outside? of, you know, your area. Yeah. So I get a few local couples. I would say a majority of my couples are always from the East Coast. So I get a lot of people from New York, Boston, Rhode Island. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, I love couples that are coming to the Pacific Northwest for the first time. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the whole kind of allure with an elopement is that they get to experience this place they've never been to before. It's almost this exciting journey for them. And so I love, I love couples from the East Coast because, I mean, it's beautiful over there, but it doesn't really compare to what they can find over here on the West Coast. It's different. It's very different. I mean, I lived in Mm -hmm. Seattle for 11 years. I'm born and raised in Michigan. I've lived in Austin, Texas. It is. It's a different, it's a different vibe and a different feeling. And it's funny because when I lived in Seattle, you know, obviously there's the mountains and the ocean and everything. But I remembered saying to people, I miss the flat. And people are like, in Seattle, were looking at me like, what the, f- how do you miss <laughs> the flat? Like most people miss the mountains or the ocean yeah. or whatever. But it's just a different look and a different landscape. And if you're not someone who has ever experienced mountains out on the West Coast, it can be just jaw dropping. Such a really, it's such a cool experience. And to do that oh, yeah. and experience that while you're being photographed for your wedding is, seems pretty magical. Yeah. It's honestly, as cheesy as it sounds, a life-changing experience. I remember when I took my first solo trip out to the Pacific Northwest, it it was life-changing. I I can't even describe the feeling I got of just driving through Washington, specifically through Olympic National Park, and just Mm -hmm. seeing trees on each side of you as you're driving down the highway and then coming to a clearing and just seeing Hurricane Ridge there in the distance. It was like, oh my gosh, places like this exist. And so <laughs> being able to see couples' reactions to experiencing what I experienced is the best feeling in the world. Well, it, I feel like uh, there are a lot of people who currently do weddings who don't really want to do weddings anymore, mm. but are you know trying to transition into portraits. And I, I feel like there are some people who maybe don't want to do weddings anymore, but they do still like shoot weddings like they like the details and the flowers mm-hmm. and the you know the dress and all of that but just the overwhelmingness that comes along with a massive wedding uh it's so tricky so it makes me wonder if maybe elopements is a good kind of happy medium place for people who enjoy weddings but just don't want what comes along with it yeah yeah i 100% agree i started out doing big weddings for about 2 years before I decided I'm not doing this anymore. I don't Mm -hmm. like, it felt very repetitive to me. I was shooting at the same venues day in and day out, the same, Mm -hmm. you know, shot lists, the same traditions. And it was just boring. I was no longer creatively fulfilled. And so I said, you know, there has to be a better way. And I discovered this whole elopement niche and just went full force straight, you know, steam engined right into the, into the niche. And I love it. I will never go back to shooting big weddings. 
Yeah, I don't blame you. I used to shoot weddings a long time ago. I think my last one was in 2016. Never again. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of work. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about this then. You discover the elopement niche, and then all of a sudden the clients come flooding in? No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Absolutely so how'd not. you do it? <laughs> so I... I officially decided to switch to elopements um, at the very beginning of 2020 before we even really knew about COVID. And I think I announced it in March. So that was like right when the world was beginning to shut down. And all of the big weddings I had for that year just completely tanked. I was not making any income for the year. Um, And I was really marketing myself for elopements. I basically... Just took off all of the big wedding work on my Instagram and my website and just talked all about elopements. I only showcased pictures that looked like they were an elopement, even if they were taken on a big wedding, um, big wedding day. Smart. That's smart. And yeah, I just went full steam ahead. And I would have to look back at the numbers, but 2020, I think I shot, you know, just a handful of elopements, maybe five, if if that. And so then I was just so discouraged. I I hated relying on Instagram because Instagram was the main way I was getting my clients. Mm-hmm. And, or, I, and you can lose your Instagram, which I just recently yes. experienced and oh my gosh. thankfully got back. However, you're right. It is, you can't only rely on social media. No. Side note. And so, yeah. <laughs> and so I said, I'm not, I can't do this. This is not sustainable forever. I hate being on this platform. It is just mm-hmm. not for me. And so I was looking at other marketing channels and I had heard of SEO before, but it was so, at the time, so technical to me. I didn't understand anything about what SEO was. Any Anytime someone even mentioned SEO or would talk about writing blog posts, it felt like a foreign language to me, and mm-hmm. I just could not grasp it. And I knew there were other photographers out there who were bringing in a ton of clients from SEO. And so I just sat down one day and I said, okay, I'm going to learn as best as I can how to do this. And so I turned to YouTube, which is my holy grail. I love YouTube for anything and all things <laughs> SEO. Yeah. And just learning because there's so much free knowledge on there and people are so much better at explaining it than I am or um, just other people I've met in the past that have explained SEO. And so after learning about SEO, I just kind of made a game plan and there was a lot of writing. I remember just writing in my journal and trying to understand what keyword cannibalization was and if I was doing it and what cornerstone content was and all of this jargon. And so you you really just have to go for it. I mean, it's very hard to understand in the beginning, but if you sit down and take the time to learn, it becomes like a second language. So as far as, you know, SEO in general, I know it is involved, like there's a lot of like keywords involved and tagging and all of those things. Is most of the work that you do to get your SEO so that people can find you via Google, right? That's your goal is for people to be able to Google search you? Mm-hmm. Okay. So is most of that in the back end done through blogging? Yes. So okay. all... All of my blogs are what I like to say optimized so people can find me on Google. Okay. And we can kind of get more in, into the whole process. But yeah, if you Google, for example, if you were to Google Olympic National Park elopement, I want to be the first result on the page. And I am. Got it. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. Okay. Got it. Now, okay. So for elopements, I feel like it can be, you know, someone is specifically going to search Olympic National Park elopement. So if you were to, I have so many questions and I I don't want to jump around too much, but for portrait photographers, because a lot of our listeners are portrait photographers. So Mm -hmm. if let's say I wanted to be the number one Ann Arbor headshot photographer, let's say. So that's what I would focus on, right? Ann Arbor headshot photographer. Okay. Are you figuring out ahead of time what people are searching, like what keywords are searching. So you're utilizing those phrases or are you just kind of saying, this is what I want. I want people to find me by, you know, Ann Arbor headshot photographer or Olympic, you know, how does that work? Yeah. So it's kind of a mix of both. I always do keyword research before I write anything. So Google Keyword Planner is a great resource to use. It's completely free. Basically, you just type in a keyword you think people are searching for. So if I was to do Olympic, 
if I go to Google Keyword Planner and type in Olympic National Park elopement, it will come up with the estimated monthly searches. So it could say 10 to 100, which basically means about 10 to 100 people are searching this term every single month. Usually I try to aim for, you know, a, a thousand, a hundred to a thousand or anything larger than that if the competition is low. So those are called low hanging fruit. You want mm-hmm. to get keywords that have a large search term, but have low competition rates. So you can rank more easily versus if you're going against these big websites that might have, you know, a domain authority of 80, which basically means they're super established. Um, think of websites like the Knot, TLC, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, household names and Sometimes if I want to shoot in a specific area, but it doesn't have a large search result, I'll still write something about it anyway. For example, I lived an hour outside of Lassen Volcanic National Park, but according to all of my keyword research tools, Lassen Volcanic National Park elopement gets basically no searches. (laughs) Um, Wow. But I I really want to shoot there still because I think it's such an underrated place to elope. And so I wrote an entire guide on it. And funny enough, a couple actually reached out to me about three days ago wanting to elope in Lassen because they found my guide, which you only need that one couple, you know, because then if you shoot that elopement, you can kind of market Lassen a little bit more and really showcase to other couples how great this location is. So wow, that was a very long answer, but I hope it answers your question. (laughs) No, no, it's very helpful for sure. Okay, so if I were to kind of bring this back to portraits, let's say I would just put into I would I would open Google Keyword Planner. Mm-hmm. I would put in Ann Arbor Headshot Photographer, and let's say or um, let's say Michigan Senior Photographer. And if people are searching Michigan Senior Photographer only like I don't know a hundred times a month, I should maybe try to switch that up, or is it going to give me back? more searched like phrases that are similar or do I just have to keep guessing and typing in what I think people are searching? Yeah. So Google Keyword Planner, it usually gives you different variations of that keyword. Okay. Okay. So if you were to type that keyword into Google, Google Keyword Planner, sometimes it comes up with similar keywords that you can use that might have a higher search search ranking. Okay. I'm not very familiar with portrait photography. And so Uh I'm trying to think of a good example of if it's even a good keyword that people are searching. Does that make sense? Yes, for sure. That's why I said like seniors or newborn or something that people are really familiar with. I don't know how many people out there are searching, you know, um, Michigan portrait photographer. And it would just be a really, it would be a really interesting thing to test for people to test to even think about what words to put on their website, right? Yeah. I think, so if you go to Google Keyword Planner and you were to type in Michigan Portrait Photographer, Google will probably give you similar keywords you could rank for that might have a better search volume. That being said, usually those kind of keywords have low search volumes already. So for example, I try to rank for PNW Elopement Photographer, that keyword in itself doesn't get a ton of searches per month, but those clients who are searching PNW Elopement Photographer are 100% sure they want a photographer for their Pacific Northwest Elopement. So it doesn't hurt to rank your page based on a keyword that you really want to rank for, but it's always better to rank for something that people are actually searching for. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Hang on one second. I'm trying to um, type this in, Michigan Portrait Photographer, just to see what comes up. And I... Yeah. I'm very curious. I've never used this before. And it's... Okay. Discover new keywords. Yes. Get search... Okay. I'm just curious, like, what will happen? Okay. So... I'm... Get results. And it says... Now, I've never used this before. So I am just really flying by the seat of my pants here. Um, it says low, 10 to 100. Yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah. So that's probably not the best search to use. Right? Yeah. It's probably not great. Um, I would probably still write some. I mean, like I said, 
those kind of keywords get pretty low volume searches anyway. Like I said, I do PNW Aloma Photographer. And if I just pull this up, mine also gets 10 to 100 searches a month. Right. Because you're still booking clients through that. Yes. So it's more so about writing articles that your clients are searching for. So if you were to do portrait photographer, let's say you were to do Michigan senior photographer. What are seniors looking for when they're when they're putting that search term in? Write resources that those clients are going to see and deem you as the expert. So if you specialize in seniors in Michigan, maybe write a guide about the best photo locations for senior portraits in Michigan or mm. what to wear to your senior portrait session in Michigan, the best times of year for a portrait session in Michigan, you know, things like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So it sounds like you definitely put some stock into finding these keywords, but once Mm -hmm. you know what keywords to use, I mean, I feel like we could do a whole interview just on these, this keyword planner. So I encourage people to look (laughs) into that. Yeah. We're not going to nail all of that down in one, in one interview. Okay. So once you have your keywords nailed down, then it's all about blogging. Yes. So take us through your process. You find your keywords and then like, are you writing one blog, 10 blogs? What are you including in the blog? You know, go from, go from there. Yes. So when you find your keyword, you only want to write one blog about that keyword. You don't want to write five blogs using the same keyword. That's called keyword cannibalization. And it's not going to rank you well in Google because Google is going to see, okay, there's five different posts they're all basically competing against one another. They're all about the same content. I can't rank all five of these. They only want to rank one. They want to rank what your clients are searching for. So for example, let's say I want to shoot, I want to photograph more elopements in Olympic. I go to Google Keyword Planner. I type in Olympic National Park elopement. It has a good search term. I take that, I put it into basically a a keyword file that I have that kind of tracks all the different keywords I have so I can kind of see what what posts I can write. And then I kind of go through the process of thinking, okay, what is a client looking for when they type in Olympic National Park elopement? Well, they're probably thinking, where are the best places to elope in Olympic National Park? When is the best time of year to elope? What what should I pack for my elopement? Uh-huh. Where should I stay? Where are the closest towns to the park? All of these things that your clients are kind of wondering about, you want to be that expert. So I then go in and create a whole guide with everything you need to know about how to elope an Olympic, including the best places to elope. I include a ton of pictures in there so clients can kind of see what their mm-hmm. options are in terms of what Olympic looks like. I include the best towns to stay in, some of my personal recommendations for Airbnbs, places to eat, activities to do in the area. So it really frames me as the expert for that specific area. Okay. I love this. Yeah. And then I can go in and create basically photo blogs. So I think a lot of times photographers, when they think of blogging, they think of just uploading their photos, almost using like narrative, if you're familiar with that app. Um, So you can do that, but I recommend you no index that, which basically means it's not going to compete for that keyword. It's not going to show up on Google. That photo blog will not show up on Google, but you can link it back to your guide. So couples can still kind of see your portfolio. Does that make sense? Yes, because that was my question is like, okay, so what if I write a blog on personal branding photos in Ann Arbor and you know, it does really, really well. But then I'm like, well, the photos are kind of old and I really want to show different photos, but you can't really go in and change that blog, can you? I mean, you can. It just depends. You you mostly, you don't want to change the copy. That's the big thing. Okay. So I go in all the time and change my photos for my guides. I do it basically every single year because my work gets better every year. And so I want right. my clients to see my best work. So you can definitely change the photos. The copy is what you don't want to touch. Basically, if it's ranking really well, try to change the copy as the least amount of times you can, (laughs) if if it really needs to be changed. Now, as far as you're saying the photo blog, can I just link to my website and like the gallery on my website? Or does the the photo blog really matter? The one that you're going to, you know, include your 
your work, but you're not going to try to get it to rank on Google and that sort of thing so that it doesn't compete with the the other, you know, the main one. Oh, yes. You can still show that on your website. I have all of them on my website. You can still link to it from your website. It just won't show up on Google. And okay. this is kind of, again, this is kind of where it gets a little technical because, for example, in my Olympic National Park elopement guide, I have the best places to elope in Olympic. And I have a photo blog for each one of those. So Hurricane Ridge is a really popular place to elope in the park. So I have a Hurricane Ridge photo blog, basically, which Got it. that, that mm-hmm. specific photo blog ranks on Google because I used a different keyword. Instead of using Olympic National uh, Park elopement, I used Hurricane Ridge elopement. I see. When when you say photo blog, you're you're talking about where it's the majority is photo, not copy. Correct. Yes. Okay. All right. So if we again bring this back to portraits. So let's say, you know, Ann Arbor High School seniors. So if I was going to do a guide for that, I could be talking about the best places within Ann Arbor to do a photo shoot what mm-hmm. seniors could wear, um, talking about like getting their hair and makeup done, the best um, shoes, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So you're including all of those things as opposed to, you know, you're just applying the same kind of recipe to whatever genre you're shooting. Yes. Like where to shop for the the dresses or the outfits for seniors or, you know, that sort of thing in yes. your guide. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I love this. Okay. All right. So, you know, a lot of people shy away from blogging and just have the website. So tell people, like I use Show It. Mm-hmm. So it's nikkiclosser.com slash blog. And it's the blog is through WordPress via Show It. <laughs> <laughs> I find it to be pretty confusing. And it, for a while, I just stopped blogging. I actually just restarted blogging again. I just updated a ton of blogs. But, like, for people who don't have a blog yet, all I know is how to do it via show it. How, mm-hmm. what do you do? So, I use WordPress, which can be a very complicated platform, I think, for a lot of photographers. I remember mm-hmm. when I, because I believed I was using Squarespace before, and then I switched over to WordPress, and it was a pretty big learning curve. That being said, WordPress is great for SEO if you're looking to really focus on that in the long run. They have a lot of amazing tools and plugins that you can use to optimize your site to be faster and better. So I'm not 100% familiar with Show It, but I know with WordPress, you just go in and they have a post category and that's kind of where you write your blog posts. Mm -hmm. I wish I was more familiar with Show It, but I'm not, so I don't. Well, it's exactly it truly it is a WordPress plugin via Show It. So when I'm blogging, I'm using WordPress. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So it is it is all through WordPress. Yeah. Okay. And so yeah. Oh boy. And I, I want to say that Squarespace also might have that plugin. But anyways, for people out there, I guess my whole point of asking you that is even if it's a little intimidating or you're like, great, I have one more thing to do. If someone really truly wants to rank high on SEO, they need a blog, right? Yes. A hundred percent. And I think a lot of times people, they get this idea of they need to blog all the time. Because I remember when I first started out, I was always hearing other photographers say, you need to blog at least once a week. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. I heard <laughs> you that do too. Not. I was like, nah. No. Okay. Once a month. <laughs> I always try to aim for once a month. I mean, I've basically used a lot of the keywords that I already want to use. And so right now, I don't really have anything I want to write. Even last year, I went, I think, six months without writing or touching any of my blog posts. So it's not... Yeah. I always like to say it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It takes a while to rank, but you don't need to be pumping pumping content out 24-7. You can write once a a month. Obviously, the more the better, I think, when you're first starting out. But it's not... I don't want it to feel like it's another thing you have to add to your to-do list because we already have so much on our plates. If you just set out one day, maybe in January, you just look at keywords. And then in February, you kind of come up with a draft for one of them. And then March, Mm -hmm. you actually sit down, write down, write the blog and publish it. So it doesn't have to be this back-to-back-to-back thing. It can be once a month, once every other month, just whatever works best with your schedule. 
I like the way you think. And I like that advice because I think we have so much to do either, you know, for people listening who are just trying to get their business started from, you know, from the ground up. It's like, great. Now I have to add this. However, if you break it down the way you just did and just in simple, smaller bite steps, it makes it so much easier. But for people who are listening who have their business running, but they're like, I just need more clients. Maybe this is something you full, you know, full steam ahead. Yeah. And and get this out there. Yeah. And that's what I did too. And I always like to say done is better than perfect. You can always Mm -hmm. go in back later and make your blog post, you know, quote unquote perfect. But if you're just, I mean, if you're really desperate to get clients like I was (laughs) back in 2020, I was pumping out content. I mean, it felt like every single day I was writing a new blog post and I look back and it was beneficial looking. I mean, now it's, it's super beneficial, but I almost wish I wasn't so, I don't know, just obsessed with the idea of doing it all the time because there were so many other things I could have been working on in my business that would have also helped okay. me get clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that goes back to the don't put all of your eggs in one basket rule Yeah, where yes, SEO is super important, but it's not the only thing. Yeah. And I, I relied on SEO for a very long time and I still kind of do, but I realized, okay, what happens if one day Google has a huge algorithm change and my blog post mm, just completely mm-hmm. tank? So yeah. I've been focusing on being more active on Instagram as much as I don't like using social media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I outsourced my Pinterest. So there's different ways you can bring clients in. SEO is a great way and it can be very addicting. But yes, definitely do not put all of your eggs in one basket. Try to diversify your marketing channels as best as you can. Yes, 100%. I agree with that. And um, yeah, I love Pinterest too. I'm just recently starting to get into marketing on Pinterest. Um, I'm curious, I'll I'll have to ask you about outsourcing to Pinterest because it's like one thing I cannot have on my plate right now. I yeah. like the thought of adding one more thing to my plate makes me want to bang my head against the wall and like yeah. curl up in a ball. <laughs> you know, it actually, it, it makes me want to have someone on the on the podcast about Pinterest because I think that would be something that's so, I mean, we have such a visual craft. Think about what we do. Mm-hmm. People are constantly on Pinterest searching for ideas for photo shoots and that sort of thing. And especially with elopements or locations or seniors or, you know, all of it. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to write that down to have someone talk about Pinterest. You should because I, I think... Pinterest is such an underutilized marketing tool. And I didn't really put a whole ton of time and effort into Pinterest, but I noticed that when the couples would inquire me, inquire with me who found me through Pinterest, they were way more likely to book than clients who found me through Instagram and Google. Almost all the clients that inquired through Pinterest were ready to book like immediately. And I don't know if it's wow. because they saw my work so much on Pinterest or if they had a better way of warming up to me as a person. I'm not entirely sure, but well, if if you think about it, if, okay, I could totally be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure aside from Google, it is the most used search engine yes, out there. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're good at SEO, I think Pinterest can be really easy. It's just very tedious, which is why I outsourced it because mm-hmm. I don't have the time to sit down and create three pins a day, you know, for yeah, four months yeah. straight. It's just too much. Yeah, it's intense. <laughs> Now, okay, this this makes me think of a question with when it came to your SEO and the blogs that you wrote, how long did it take for you to really like rank up on that first page? Oh, that's a good question. It's hard because each post is so different, but I would say maybe six months to a year when I was okay. first starting out because there's kind of a lot that goes into how fast you're going to rank on Google. If you're a new website, it's probably going to take you longer because Google doesn't realize that you're not an established website yet, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So you really have to kind of focus on building your domain authority up, um, which basically just means a few different things. So the age of your website. So if you're a brand new baby website starting out, you're probably not going to see results for a while unless you focus on really building up your domain authority through things like getting backlinks, which if you submit to a lot of publications, that's a great way to grow your domain authority. Mm -hmm. Even guest writing for other photographers or other vendors in your area. There are great resources. You know, there's very creative ways 
to get backlinks to your site, which is the number one way to increase your domain authority. But that being said, domain authority isn't the end-all be-all. As long as you're writing good quality content that people are actually searching for, you have a, a really great chance to rank high in Google, especially if, like I said, the keyword gets a lot of searches but has low volume. Or mm-hmm. sorry, low competition, not low volume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, now, because all of this is so technical, I feel like sometimes it's easier, and I know you said this too when, you know, beforehand, that it's so much easier to like be sharing a screen and showing all of this as you're doing it, you know, as you're doing. So I I do want to encourage people to look into like SEO courses and to follow Brianna in the, you know, so in the future, if you do decide to do mentoring around this or, you know, launch a course around it or whatever that you've got her information. But I also want to talk about if you got, you said last year was 476. Was this in 2023? Yes. 476 inquiries. That is a lot of freaking increase to deal with. So how are you managing as they come in? Like, do you have email templates? Are you personalizing every single, you know, response that you give? How does that work? Yes. So I have email templates, but I do personalize the very beginning of every single email template to the client. Good. So it doesn't feel like I'm just sending out a mass email that I would send out to everyone. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's very much, you know, it's still very personalized to them, but it makes my workflow so much easier, makes my life so much easier to not have to worry about sitting down or writing out an email that's going to take me 20 minutes to write, you know? Yeah. I have email templates too. I actually sell them in our Portrait Master store because so many people ask me about them. They like save my life, but you do have to personalize them for sure. Yes. Yeah. All right. So out of those 476 inquiries, do you know how many you, you actually booked, like what the conversion rate is? Oh, that's a good question. I can pull it up. Yeah, I am curious. And while Brianna's looking that up, I, I do think it's really important that even if you have you rank really great on SEO, you also still have to have a strong portfolio and a strong website. Because if they find you, they're going to come to your website and they're going to look. And you're going to have like a few seconds at most for them to decide if they're going to stay or if they're going to go. So like what you have at the top of your website that they're going to click on, it better engage them and keep them interested right away. Strongest work, like really showing your best at, at whatever they're first going to see or you're going to lose them. Yeah. So in 2023, I got 33 bookings, which... Oh, nice. Yeah. So some of those are for that year and then some of them are for the next year. So it just kind of depends. Usually, yeah, so almost 10%, like 8%. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of those couples too. You know, you have to take into account ghosting. Ghosting was, yeah, you know, yeah. every photographer gets ghosted, <laughs> um, and uh, oftentimes, a lot of couples kind of search around for pricing, and so mm-hmm. you might not hear. Um, sometimes couples would inquire and they would book a call with me, but then they would cancel the call because they ended up going with someone else, which is totally fine. But yeah, it's yeah. a pretty high booking rate. Um, if you look at the different marketing channels. Like I said, Pinterest is still by far my highest booking rate. I get a 33% booking rate from Pinterest alone, which is wow. nuts. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, and I and I want to say too, I feel like with weddings, people are more likely to reach out to, I mean, at least five wedding photographers. Yeah. If they're getting married. You know, I feel like with portraits and headshots, it's probably a little bit lower than that. You know, so you might not get as many inquiries and might have a higher you know, a little bit more booking for less people because, you know, there's only so many. Okay. I shouldn't say that because people are going to be like, in my town, there's a (laughs) headshot photographer on every street, which is true for in Seattle and for Michigan where I am. Yes. (laughs) But the other thing too is like, I don't know what my booking rate is for inquiries, but 95% of the people who are reaching out to me are already pretty certain they're going to book me because it's through a referral. Mm. So it's a little bit different. I'm, I don't book all of the inquiries by any means, mm-hmm. but I think I have a high booking rate because people have already, you know, their friends or their colleagues or, you know, family members have already used, utilized me. So I think the booking rate's a little bit higher when you have that personal referral. Whereas you, like most of these people have never heard of you, don't yeah. know anyone who's ever used you before. So that makes like... Uh, that's a high booking rate for someone when they they don't know anyone else has ever used you because you're it's usually someone from the other side of the country. Yes, 
Yeah. And that's a good point because I remember when I was searching for my senior photographer, I mean, we had a good handful of photographers up here, but it was very much, okay, who did my friends go to? I want to go to who they went to. So I think it's, yeah, it's definitely different versus my business. Yeah. All of these people, like I said, they're usually from the East coast, so they're not familiar with anybody over here. (laughs) And so they have to turn to Google. And I'm sure they don't have friends in New York who also decided they were going to elope in the Olympic Natural Park. Like it's just not, yes. just not a yeah. common thing to do, you know. So, so I think that's really important for people to take into account with like you know a 10 percent booking rate or just under you know 8 percent booking rate. Like that is cold searching. Like there's mm-hmm. no other connection there. So imagine if not only were you ranked super high in SEO and Google and all of that, but, and you had that referral piece. So, okay, well, I, you know, my friend used Nikki for her personal branding photos, but I'm going to see who else is out there. And then bam, they search me and I'm number one. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that is going to be even more powerful. Yeah. So, and I also, I mean, I credit SEO allowing me to raise my pricing too. So I think a lot of... Tell us more. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So like I said, I think I shot my first wedding for, you know, literally $300 in 2019. And I now charge $7,000 minimum for four hours. So Mm, it just... That's awesome. Yeah. it's, It's incredible to see the growth. I just remember... I mean, it felt like I was raising my pricing every six months because... I was ranking higher on Google. And so I was getting a lot of people that wanted to book and I was at a lower price point. And so people just booked me because of my pricing. And mm-hmm. then it allowed me to kind of slowly raise my pricing over time. But it, I mean, looking back, because it's only been what, you know, three years, four years since I've done elopements specifically. And I think I started out charging $2,000 for an elopement. So it just. Now you're at seven. So you've tripled your yeah. prices. Yes. Yeah. Over than more than tripled. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. That's so exciting. I will I wonder if people see you as number one when they do the search and think, oh, she's gonna be expensive and move on. <laughs> I don't on. know. <laughs> I yeah, I think about that because I actually just raised them to seven thousand. They were at sixty five hundred. So it's not a huge jump, mm-hmm. you know, but still every time someone clicks my website. <laughs> yeah. And doing thirty-three elopements just, you know, from your SEO work at $7,000, that's a pretty, uh, pretty awesome income Yeah, for what started as a side hustle at $300 for a full wedding. So that's pretty cool. It's insane to look back and, you know, just see how far, how far you've come. I think all photographers can agree just looking at their old work or Mm -hmm. what they used to charge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is so exciting. You'll have to keep us posted if you end up, you know, teaching this in a in a a format that people can watch and learn and all of that. So yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks for sharing all of this. Gets me think, gets my brain going um quite a bit. So yeah, I appreciate right. that. I love when I get to learn new things on the podcast. So <laughs> I do have questions that I always ask at the end of each episode. And the first one is what is something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? Oh my gosh, that's a good question. My spider holster. Oh yes, me too. <laughs> yeah, the best. Life changing. I can't do mm-hmm. the harnesses anymore. Kills my back. <laughs> yes, my neck, my back, my shoulders. Yes. All about the spider holster. That's awesome, especially for weddings. Gosh, I remember being, you know, you have the camera in your hand for eight to twelve hours. <laughs> yeah, you know? it's like oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I just remember my my lower back. The next day, I would be feeling it for sure. Mhm. All right. Number 2 is how do you spend your time when you're not working? So I love puzzles. <laughs> oh, fun. I am yeah, I love all the grandma activities. So I love puzzles, <laughs> thrifting. I have gotten really big into um like cycling. Not it's mm-hmm. kind of like soul cycle. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I like to go hike. I love taking walks. Fantastic. You live in a great place to do it, that's for sure. Mhm. Um, number three is what is a photography specific product? And I know you said your spider holster, but is there another one? Definitely my 35 millimeter lens. I use that for everything. Is that your go to? A hundred percent. Well, it seems like 
because of where the location that you're shooting, I feel like couples would want the environment. And having that 35 gives you that wide angle to include, you know, everything yeah. around. Yeah. yeah. I also utilize my 24 a lot for those really oh, wide nice. landscape yeah. shots. Very cool. All right. Uh, number four is what would you tell people who are just starting out? Keep going. I know it can be so discouraging in the very beginning, and it can be so easy to quit. There are so many times I wanted to quit, but just mm-hmm. keep going. You know, keep your head down. Don't look at other photographers' websites or social medias. Focus on you, focus on what makes you different, and focus on your clients. And don't worry about what everyone else is doing. It's not good for you or your mental health. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It's, um, I mean, I think there's something to be said for having a community of photographers to go to, to, mm-hmm. you know, ask advice and learn about what has worked and what hasn't worked. But I, it, like our, like the portrait system, like we have our community that is, they're yeah. just, it's just amazing. Like we have our private Facebook group that, I mean, just the most amazing community. But if you are, are going about it in the avenue of just looking on social media and assuming that everyone is killing it. <laughs> uh, it's not always the case. So yeah, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Yeah. So that's great advice. All right. And where can people find you online? You can find me at my website on Brianna Parks photo and on any social media platform at Brianna Parks photography. Sweet. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being on and You'll have to keep us posted. Just message me or email me or whatever if um, if things change and you end up, you know, doing a course or whatever. So cool. Awesome. Thank you so much okay, for having me. This again. is really fun. Yeah, good. Yay. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-Day Startup Challenge plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business lighting PDFs. I mean, truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and 8 frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.